You can never know what you can accomplish unless you fail. All the champions have lost, but they learn how to win. You don't think before I bench pressed 500 pounds, I tried it before and didn't fail? So you gotta learn from failure to get better and move on and be an A-plus player. You can't just be afraid to even compete. Everybody loses. This is episode one of the Android Strength Podcast with Ed Brown Jr. Welcome to the Android Strength Podcast. Every day, ordinary people sacrifice everything to transform their bodies. They commit their lives to push themselves beyond the limit. They're on a journey to become extraordinary. These are their stories. Here's your host, Mark Mulzer. Fear of failure. How do you deal with that? How do you recover from failures? How do you keep going and working towards a goal which seems so far away, which seems so hard to achieve and takes so long to get to? Ed Brown Jr. is one of those guys who can tell us how. He's dedicated his entire life to becoming a pro bodybuilder. He's already been very successful winning show after show, but not quite there yet. Ed works harder than anybody I know in the gym. He is relentless about pursuing his goal. When it comes to bodybuilding, strength training, meal prep, competition prep, diet, power building, he really knows his stuff. He's learned from the best in the industry. He's worked with Lee Priest, Josh Bryant, Ed Cohn. Ed is an all-around amazing guy. He's really funny, superb personal trainer, and knows so much about the industry and he's so deserving of being part of it at the highest level. Listen in today as Ed tells us how he got to where he is today and what it takes to compete at the highest level of bodybuilding. Take away some really good advice for you to get started on your own personal journey and I hope you really enjoy this conversation. Okay, so uh, I'm here with uh, Eddie Muscles, Eddie Brown from <laughs> Round Rock, Texas, and uh, super excited about being here, man. You had an amazing 2015, totally crushed it at all these different events, uh, just got picked up by um, Gallegos Powerlifting in 2016, already going uh, very, very strong in, in the first two months, and uh, really within striking distance of the pro card. So how do you think uh, 2016 is going to go? How, what do you think about 2015? Uh, if it goes as planned, I mean, I'm just, I'm really excited uh, because like last year, uh, the neat part about that show, The Universe, uh, with Steve Weinberger, Bev Francis, I like the way they do the show because I've done the show from 05 to even now. And it just seems like NPC, they do a really good job at awarding the athletes because if you keep getting better, I mean, there's times where I took a step down and came back. And everybody athletes had that where you have an off year, you don't come in as good. But then even regrouping and coming back, uh, I think it was two years ago, I made the top five finals as a heavyweight. And then this past year, I was really excited because I got top three uh, as a heavyweight in the Team USA, and then I was able to enter the Masters over 35, and Meadows won the over 40, so it was between me and somebody else. I can't remember his name, not to shortchange him, but uh, I was basically one spot away from, from pro status. So this year, I think, um, just with the added muscle density I added, uh, again, because I remember the year before, uh, training with Papillon helped a bunch because it got my, my one-rep maxes up, breaking an American record on – uh, Submasters on bench, and then with Josh Bryant's help this year, 
adding even more uh, because you can just tell. I mean, delts are a lot bigger, pumped. Uh, it's got me, you know, military pressing was at 365 pounds, uh, bench pressing 500 raw. Like I say, you, you you get your numbers up like that, and then it's just there's an old saying when you get on stage is muscle doesn't lie. And, you know, as you look at the guys from the 80s, 90s, there's a distinct difference because a lot of it uh, is just the hours upon hours of training. And then when you're really that strong, it kind of shows on stage if you have right. really good genetics. So. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, anyone who's following you on Facebook or YouTube, you put all these crazy videos on there. I mean, you're absolutely crushing it. Uh-huh. Weight-wise, you're just pulling crazy weight. You are bench pressing insane numbers uh your size has gotten uh, way way bigger than than last year so um you're absolutely crushing it well then like i say this year too another thing that helped was and you got to go to the seminar uh was with josh bryant uh and then eddie cohen uh who i've got to keep in contact with through facebook who's been a great influence as well and even you know seeing the way i train certain clients oh you know that's not it changed the technique, do this, he needs to work on that. And like I say, even though he's all the way been a power lifter, he came up with the term power building, which is to where you can still use the same principles as a lifter, uh, as a bodybuilder. Because uh, when you do reps, the same thing, techniques involved. And then you can you know, still use the accessory muscles to keep you from getting hurt. Then, of course, too, bodybuilding, you got to do flies and other other movements uh, to put the finishing touches on your physique when you diet all the way down to the muscle. But, you know... I, I go by the saying, I don't, I like to be open-minded. You can learn a lot uh, from anybody. Uh, same thing with even Lee Priest getting to train with him. Uh, I, I can't even, people ask me, you know, what, what did you learn from him? I don't want to give away everything because then you give away all the secrets. Right. Um, and of course he, you know, if he heard me say that, he'd be like, yeah, whatever, douchebag. You, know? <laughs> you didn't learn nothing from me. But it, That's still, crazy. when you get the hands-on experience, um, you know, it, it, it helps because you learn how to, uh, you know, figure out what works for you and then take certain things from other people and add it into your, your arsenal. Right. I mean, Lee Priest, Josh Bryant, Eddie Cohen, I mean, these are some crazy, crazy uh, successful people in the, in the fitness industry. Some, some really big names. You want to hear all about how you met them and, and uh, you know, how that relationship started. But for the ones who don't really know you, take us a little bit um, back in history, back in time. Like, where did uh, Eddie Muscles start before he was Eddie Muscles? Where, how did you get into the sport and, and, and what happened over time? I graduated high school uh, and then I was taking some classes at community college, some basics. I even had to take some remedial stuff because I was kind of a turkey in high school. Probably should have paid more attention in school. But, <laughs> of course, I got my high school diploma. But, you know, you get to college and it's, it's one big test. You know, it's not just, oh, you can send in this homework and get extra credit. And, you know, I was thinking, and I had this one person in the gym saying, well, I know you want to bodybuild, but I think you could do wrestling. But they didn't understand in professional wrestling, there's a, a big difference. You have to pay your dues. You go work uh, after you graduate from a school. You know, you have to go all over Texas, uh, say, if that's where you want to start off in that circuit. And those guys normally start off with a good promoter, maybe $50 a match. And the main reason I could even get paid that is because of who I was trained by, Shawn Michaels, coming out of his school. There's some really big names. Uh, the year I graduated in 99, Garrison Cade, who unfortunately is, is not alive anymore, uh, was in the same class. Daniel Bryan uh, is, you know, just still in the scene. I think now they still even use him in WWE. He was a headliner at WrestleMania the year before. Uh, another guy that was in the school was, I'm trying to remember, there was one other big name, Matt Bentley. I think he went to TNA. 
uh, Brian. So wait, Kendrick. wait, wait, wait. So 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 here's Eddie, and he graduated from high school, and he goes. And you, you just meet all these people. They just happen to be at the gym you're working out. Or I mean, if I no. wanted to be a wrestler, well, they, I, well, basically the way I did it is I went to school uh, while I was doing that, and then stopped college, went to San Antonio, went to the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy. You just showed up one day and said, "Hey, I'm Eddie. I want to train here." Well, you you have to pay. Like it was like thirty nine hundred dollars you oh, pay wow. for the school. Luckily, I had my grandfather at the time. Uh, who's wealthy, you know, iron your nose, throat doctors, like, well, let him give it a shot. So I dropped $3,900, go through the school, and unfortunately there's a lot of kids that even went through the whole school and got the crap beat out of them because it's, it's pro wrestling is a rough sport too. I mean, you know, here they are doing, you know, 1,000 push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, and jogging two miles. Then you get in the ring and learn how to take bumps. You have kids breaking ribs, breaking fingers. Uh, some of them quit, leave, and you don't get your money back. And then even if you make it out of the school, that doesn't necessarily mean you get to even be used on his program. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people that these turkeys, too, when they tell me, oh, you did that wrestling, that's fake. I'm like, <laughs> I'll put it like pro wrestling after doing that stuff. I'd say it's in some ways even harder than powerlifting, in some ways even harder than bodybuilding. Maybe not the same type of discipline that you have to have. And, of course, powerlifting, you're going to also get hurt if you lift heavier pounds. But, man, it's 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 really rough. So, like I say, I did work for his promotion. I think it was like for a year. Then he ended up stopping the school, I think after a certain time, and let the head trainer run the school, uh, Rudy Boy Gonzalez. So I went off to Dallas, worked for PCW, which was another promotion. Uh, I think another one, River City Wrestling. And then, like I say, had some offers maybe to work for Harley Race. Uh, had some, like he was out in Kansas City, so I would have had to move around. And I was like, you know what? doing this for two years if you get a developmental contract with wwe that still doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make that much money then i went back to school when i went back to school i was kind of regrouping what i wanted to do i started eating better eating cleaner and i was like you know what i'm gonna do a bodybuilding show well sure enough when i started rocking up getting ready i think the first show i ever did was ronnie coleman uh classic that was in 2004 uh, people saw the distinct difference in my body, and they're like, man, you don't have the same size yet, but you look just like those guys in the magazines. And then all of a sudden, the personal training opened up again. Mm -hmm. Where do you train people? Uh, you know, I started working independent. There was a guy, Gabriel Barrera, had a gym out of his house. He was a natural bodybuilder at the time. I worked out of his house for a while. Then I moved over to Busby's Total Fitness. Then it turned to Gym One. Uh, and over that pattern, after doing the Ronnie Coleman and then even – Doing more shows, I think it was like two years. I got qualified for that same big show, The Universe, um, and then just continued to get better and better through the trial and errors of bodybuilding. Though I could tell that I needed to take time off to grow because I went from middle to light heavyweight, and I knew that in that class, from my height, it was just at the national level was getting more competitive. So from a pattern of 2009 to 2013, did all powerlifting took time off, built my personal training business. Plus me and my wife met, God bless her, helped me with all of everything, the training, the eating, uh, and, you know, regroup, helped me build my business too. Uh, and then sure enough, came back when the heart of Texas, this is after three, four years off. That is not, not, a, not a long time at all. I mean, that's crazy, yeah. crazy fast progress. Well, see the people don't realize though, like where I got to now was like 20 shows, but it was from 2004 to now we're in 2016, 12 years. It took me to get that good. Wow. People don't realize amateurs, uh, even pro bodybuilders, they really don't get good. Even a gentleman that trains out at Metroflex agrees with me, Shacterly, when we've talked, you don't get really good till about ten years. Wow, yeah. So, yeah. so, so that is just just a crazy, crazy um, uh, 
progression that you had. But I want to really start at the beginning. So, so Ed is, is you're not even in, in college yet. You're in high school. You, yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be in strength and fitness? Is that is that something you you grew up with, or did you? How did you get to well, just entering a gym? Take me to all the way back at the beginning, first step in the in the gym. Who? Well, well, I just remember even in junior high, loving the weights, and then you know my parents. Football was fun to me because uh, I was decent at it, but I didn't enjoy everything about it, you know. And right. when they had us go to the UT football camp, my parents and grandfather, you know, was part of the UT a group or whatever I think it is where he pays a certain amount of money, he get tickets. I like watching the game. I could appreciate football. But in this camp, Mad Dog was a strength coach at the time. Here I am, 15, 16 years old, 17 years old, having to go every year, and I hear Rock Gullickson talk. And it's funny because I asked a lot of questions while he was talking, and then it was more along the lines of bodybuilding. Right. And he would explain the eight hours of sleep, the other stuff, and he was just smiling the whole time like, <laughs> this kid doesn't want to play football. He wants right. to bodybuild. He wants to be a strength athlete. What did what did the football coach say when, when that happened? I mean, did did he see the, the talent in you already as far as an athlete, or how did that? Would you say the high school coaches or the football? Oh, the, the, the football, one, yeah. The, like the more of the along the lines of the college guys. I think they could tell as far as I was more gifted as far as with weights and stuff, but I just wasn't as into the football. But like I say, I was part of the camp, so other kids would just sit there and listen. They didn't even ask questions. Yeah, but did you feel like the the coaches had faith in you as an athlete, or were they? Oh, in in high school, right? Uh, It was we we just had coaches, and I don't ever. It's like the old saying: your mom teaches if you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, don't say it at all. Right. Um, But there's also a saying: there's not so such thing is a bad student is always a bad teacher mm-hmm. and when you have a coach that doesn't lead by example we had so many good athletes uh that i had to make new friends with because when i went to high school these were the same kids that went to other schools uh i switched because uh, my mom was a school teacher in round rock school district so she could pick and she thought mcneil would be a better school for me than round rock round rock was getting bigger so i had to make new friends but over the course of that four years i was around some really talented kids and for some reason, as a football team, though, that coach could just not really package together right. winning product. And I was just thinking back in my head, like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. But it's what I just said. No sex thing is a bad student, bad teacher. If the, if you don't believe in what somebody's doing for you, just like me as a trainer, if we showed up to the gym and we're just going through the motion and then you're not getting any results, right. like, Ed, this sucks. I'm sorry. I'm not going to – I'm not going to – pay you if I don't believe in what we're doing, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And especially when you're a kid and you got coaches. And then, like I say, same thing even uh, as you as you get older and you learn who to look up to that are mentors and friends, uh, you got to trust the person. Right. So it's like I say, from that standpoint, even from their opinions leading to now, I, I really wouldn't even listen because it's, it's kind of like uh, – it wouldn't matter. That's, right. That's probably why they were where they were at, you know. Yeah. I think, and we, we talked earlier about that, and you said that those coaches didn't really believe in you as an athlete, right? It's no. Like you, you, yeah. and, and how did you feel when, when they said that, and what, what did that uh, well, do to you? Well, like whenever I came back, uh, 16, I think it was, the coach, I think, wanted me to start on the junior varsity as a defensive end, okay? And I, w- I was, didn't want to play that position, so then I ended up stopping it. That's the year before I think I did some track and field stuff and was decent at it. But then I came back. So that's always in the coach's mind. Oh, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to play anymore, and then he comes back. Okay, well, that's always going to be our, you know, thing. We've got that in the back spot of our head. 
that can hold that against you. Well, junior year, you know, they're, they're trying to repackage. The coach is trying to tell me, you know, he sits me down. He says, Ed, you know, we all know that you learn a little bit slower than other kids. You know, of course, then, you know, I'm just a kid. And I'm thinking like, I'm, I don't seem very slow. I mean, I think I can read. I can comprehend. I, maybe you just can't teach. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and then, of course, it probably didn't help with my attitude uh, because, you know, we do stuff like senior year and he need me to fill in on the punt team or something uh, instead of just, you know, half the time blocking as a fullback when he could be giving me the ball because winners always do want the ball. Of course, I'm in a team sport, though, so that's a little different. Right. Uh, but, you know, he'd, he'd ask me, he's like, hey, I noticed you made like four tackles on the punt team. And I'm like, does that mean you're going to take me out? Because it seemed like everybody that does good, I mean, uh, is so you don't really make any sense to me, coach, you know? Right, right, right. So is is that about the first time when you think, hey, you know, the whole team thing is not really for me. I, I'd much rather work on myself and control my own destiny, if you will. Yeah, and see, that was another thing with the pro wrestling is it's theatrics. Right. So you have to learn how to tell a story. It's an art. It's controlled violence. That way I do not have um, <laughs> somebody coming after me trying to, you know, oh, you're trying to say that this is – no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying – you aren't in control of what you can do. Bodybuilding, yeah, it's a little different because the judges are subjective, but still there's something about you against you, you having to follow the diet, you having the finishing product, and you know how it is. If you bring that awesome package to the stage, say even it, you win, I think it was even last year, uh, there was a show, the Ronnie Coleman at the last minute I wanted to do, and Joseph Mackey did the same show, and he got, I think, sixth at Nationals, uh, in Torres Peck, but awesome competitor. I was a little bit leaner than him, drier and harder. So some people thought I should have won the show. Right. But it's subjective. You got a stock market. You got different weight classes. Right. So he looked two or three inches taller. We looked the same. I was just a tad bit leaner, but it could go either way. It just depends on what they want. Right. Who's the flavor of the month, you know? Right. But still, when you look that absolute best and you know that you did it, you know, like I say, team effort with my wife helping me cook the food, uh, telling me you chose to do this, quit your whining. That I can see. But when it comes from um, all, if you are going to have somebody tell you what to do, especially as a kid, you're going to have to trust them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so I want to really talk about that day when you first walked into that um, uh, wrestling dungeon. I mean, uh -huh. I, I, I'm, I can't even imagine. So you're in the car, you're driving to San Antonio, somewhere yeah. in the neighborhood, there's some, some dungeon gym and you oh, walk and this is, in. And this is off of Zars and more. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have so never been there. Tell me about it. So, so what, what does it look like? You walk in, do you know anybody? I mean, is anybody there? Barely How knew anybody. Have? And of course, everybody <laughs> just, just packed up and said, hey, I want to be a pro wrestler. And you just walked in the door. Yeah. Tell, and I mean, take me to that moment. What was, what, what went through your head? Well, I mean, I got to meet Shawn Michaels. And so Shawn Michaels is in the gym as, yeah. you, as you're walking, and they're just like and throwing each other around. Tell me what, what happened. Well, you could tell he talked to all of us, and <laughs> he was so all crazy. Well, he was also feeling us out. You could tell because he saw a bunch of young punk <laughs> uh, kids that were all jocks, for which are more or less true. Uh, but I could tell from the end result, even going through the school, we had some guys like Brian Kendrick who might have not been – you know, the same size as I was, but just had that raw determination for the business. I mean, he'd show up with a notepad listening. And then every time there was even a time in school, we're learning how to do a drop kick and he separated his finger. It came out of socket. <laughs> okay. And one of the other clients, I think, or clients, the students, Ruben, 
who was a paramedic at one time, had to snap it back in. He taped it up and kept going. <laughs> that is crazy. And I'm like, he's perfect. That's what they want. <laughs> so, so how does this work? So you, you, you show up like every day from eight to five and there's, is there a program that you follow and they just, yeah, these like they, they were costume right away. And <laughs> they beat you up from, uh, they beat you up from nine, uh, early nine o'clock early till about noon. Uh, and then Sean also had a part-time class so you could come back and learn more. And a guy that I went to the school with, Paul McFarlane, was waiting tables. I think it was at Ray's Steakhouse, so he'd go <laughs> with me too. We'd drive up together, and his folks lived down there. So that was really cool uh, to save us money. We didn't have to pay for a motel and so forth. And So like I say, we had some bigger guys, and then I was kind of right in between. So the guys like Daniel Bryan and Kendrick – uh, who could do a lot of cool high-flying moves, and they also had real wrestling backgrounds. So they could kind of tell me, hey, Ed, I wouldn't do that. That wouldn't make any sense. You know, you need to do this or throw throw a forearm this way. Oh, man, you're, you're strong as shit, but you got to learn how to bridge, bridge this way. So the one thing that protected me, I think, through that experience was being around a lot of good people uh, as well, uh, especially even the trainer, Rudy Gonzalez, was more experienced. So I got to tag with him when I first started working for Sean's promotion. And then, like I say, work around talent like that that was – they already kind of had a real wrestling background, which I think helps because then you can kind of feel where the other guy's working. You can look out for them because you got to remember that ring is bored in a rug. So, like like I said, even one kid that came out of, I think, the second class is pretty sad. He took a backdrop, landed wrong, broke his neck. Oh, wow, crazy. Yeah. And people say, oh, it's fake. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say that on the interview, but <laughs> like, it's not fake, dude. Right, right, right. It's right. pretty damn real. Right. I mean, it's, how does that work? So so you go to and train, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're really young. How much how much do you weigh at that moment? I think then I was around 220-ish. Uh, and then, of course, I wasn't quite as functional with that weight as I am now. I wasn't, even though I was relatively really strong, probably one of the stronger kids that ever came out of that school, uh, compared to now, just through the experience uh, and the years of training, I'm even stronger now than I was then. Uh, but having that type of weightlifting background definitely helped. That's what sold me because I could tell with Michaels, that was the main reason he used me uh, because of the way I looked. There were times where I'd show up in the school and, you know, of course, he he liked Daniel Bryan because he was so talented. He could do a lot of high-flying moves. Like, even he got to go tour Japan, I think not even after finishing school. Uh, they let him go early. You know, like I say, Kendrick, some of the other guys were so talented. But he could tell with me, he's like, hey, take that jacket off. Let me see what those guns are looking like. He could tell, like, <laughs> this guy's got a physique on him. I That's think awesome. if he doesn't want to wrestle, he's going to figure out. I mean, he. He basically looked at me like he's a bodybuilder. Right, right. <laughs> you can just see it. Yeah. So, so is is this where you you train and then immediately you go into the ring and there's TV show or or how how it's you, a, a you, belt system where you qualify and then you go into we, the real the school show? was how does the, that work? The school was three months. You had to make it through the school. Uh, you had to graduate, you know, and then you know you did student matches. They would look at the tapes and everything. And then they would have to trust their judgment on whether or not they'd let you be on TV. Then you'd first also stop, start working house shows, spot shows, to where you're just in front of an audience. There's no TV. Uh, so, like I say, with me, that was the one push that I had that was kind of a monster push. Even though they had me do a run-in in the beginning, 
where I come in and throw Brian Kendrick through a table with Rudy, <laughs> uh, break handcuffs. Is this on know? video somewhere? Can yeah. we can we find that? I'll, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. I want to I want to see that. Yeah, so, what I was mean, your character? I mean, did they work on the character with you? Tell uh, us. Did, did Sean would let flame pants or what? No, he he would <laughs> he would uh, he would let a lot of the kids like he'd kind of think for them to help them, and then some of them would want to do gimmicks. He's like, that's not gonna work. Like we had one kid, uh, John Hope, that's like, I want to be a chef and throw food in people's <laughs> eyes. He's like, occupation gimmicks never work. Come on. <laughs> but for some reason, he liked the comical thing I had, the bone crusher, because it was a convict thug. That's what That was your character, yeah. the bone crusher. But just like a muscular, uh, shorter, stocky type nails. The guy that used to come out and choke people. But with me, he wanted me to have more character development. He wanted me to really learn how to wrestle. So I had to go watch tapes of like Greg the Hammer Valentine and, and old school stuff to really learn wrestling because I never got schooled correctly. I never got to do real wrestling, which is an art too. You know, that's hard. Uh, Greco or even in just your basic, you know, wrestling too, where it's more mat wrestling. Uh, so, you know, I had to relearn a lot of stuff, but it was definitely, I definitely say that probably one of the main reasons conditioning wise I can get as lean as I am now in the ring was just cool too, because Sean was always known for that, you know, having just amazing conditioning granted he was never as strong as i was but his cardio was off the chain he could get on like the stair climber i remember one time i heard him and flair were like level 20 on like the highest level i don't even think they would do intervals it was just straight i'm like that's crazy <laughs> wow, you know? wow 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 yeah. so i mean this is pretty compressed like three months from zero to yeah. to to show pretty well, much right and then, and then like you say i was waiting six weeks to see if they're going to use me i get a call all of a sudden, I'm thrown on TV. I didn't even get to do spot shows or anything. So, I was, so what was that like? I mean, you, you, I was nervous. <laughs> How'd it go? So it went great, you know. And then, of course, in the beginning, I want to see this. I need to look this yeah. up. This is gonna be funny. Well, and then too, you know, even we had a few months after that, we'd have WWF talent at the time. It wasn't WWE, so we'd have the headbangers come down, and then me and Rudy would have to work them or wrestle them. Excuse me, is the correct term? And I mean, like, I was like, holy crap, you know. And then we're sitting there you know getting ready to go out there and Sean's like give him hell kid <laughs> but I mean I was, it's the speed of the match and these guys are like you know one of them's I think Mosh had to be about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, Thrasher is 6'5", and they're fast, you know. I'm is is, is your heart like pounding out of your chest? I mean, your oh, nervousness. Yeah. And I had to match them. I, mean, I could match up with them strength-wise, but they're bigger than me. So, like, here is Mosh, you know. He gives me a backdrop, and I'm about to hit the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I was in a Mosh pit. It's like, man, you just turned me from bone crusher to bone squeezer. You know? That is funny. <laughs> that is funny. But, I mean, great guys, professionals, uh were that was the reason why they were where they're at you know and then getting to work other talent rodney mack some of the other guys on the road uh and like i say even some of the guys that went through the school so for me I, it was a great experience i've had people ask me if you ever wanted to get back into it uh, especially since they've seen my body develop i'm way stronger but i know with my height uh being a little shorter i would have to take what you call bumps uh, a lot of bumps and bruises and right. i would much rather be a guy that could influence uh, the nutrition the training i want to train wrestlers right right with, and not of course in the ring that that's for all of the, the the professionals that want to work with them on that stuff i would say more with like strength training and other stuff so i think i could really uh help them as far as uh, health wise like how to, how to do it healthier because that's the harder part with those guys is they're having to wrestle like sometimes four or five nights a week they don't have as much time to recover, so they've got to really stay on their diet to stay in great shape and stuff, you know? Right, right, right. Because it's like I say, it's a show, man. So exactly. if they come out there now, it's more bodies and stuff, and you can tell Vince McMahon, the way he's got the WWE Network going, 
you know, they're not just big. You see these guys doing moonsaults and the guy's like 6'2", 230 pounds doing a backflip. I'm like, that's amazing. Right, you know? right, right. So, so I mean, are, are you working at the time or is this where you decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to go pro as far as like fitness and wrestling? What, when did you start thinking about you know, this is going to, going to be what I'm going to be doing for life? Uh, the, the wrestling stuff, once I got out of that, you know, then I went back to, like I was telling you, from 21 to 24 years old, the personal training and did that first show and then did shows after show after show after show, uh, bodybuilding, then that just all fell in line with uh, the personal training. So uh, the, the bodybuilding, you know, I've done just as a hobby because it has to be. Because even if you necessarily do get your professional status, it all depends on what you do with it. Because the guys that think they're going to make money as a pro bodybuilder, they still got to invest in other stuff. Right, right. Uh, Lee Priest, you know, my old training partner, he was sponsored by Twin Lab. That's a hundred thousand dollars a year, but that's still uh, technically for as big as those guys are, and as much as they have to train, that's still not enough money to live on. They need even more than that. Right. Uh, so, like I say, the smart bodybuilders invest in other stuff. They build their own supplement company. Right. They build their own personal training business. You know. Right. So, so how is this, how is this different from, for the average gym goer? I mean, you, you at the time, where, where are you working out? Are you sort of, you know, running with the crowd? Are you working out by yourself? Just, is this during the, the, ra- the wrestling days? Or no, is I, during th- the I, th- I think, I think you're, you, you, you sort of put the wrestling aside. You said, Hey, I think I want to try it for a show. And, uh, we're, we're, we're starting to think about Eddie becoming a, a, a pro bodybuilder rather than, than a wrestler. So how did, how did you get started there? Where, yeah, what was it? How was it different from uh, uh, your know, training for wrestling? Did you where did you find your information on how to go? Uh, uh, bodybuilding, uh, comp- compete at a, at a show. The bodybuilding guy that helped me was um, Bernie Young, who lived here in town, and he was uh, did for the most part a lot of stuff natural, everything he had to, because he had uh, some heart problems. Uh, even had heart surgery later, so he had to be real careful with supplements he took, and you know he had been. Um, I think we used to work for IBM and he'd kind of seen me grow over the years, do the wrestling and stuff. And I knew him at 24 hour fitness. So he helped me in the beginning, uh, do shows and we both did really well together. And then I had kind of went and done my own thing after learning a lot from him because he was a smaller weight class. So, so he's kind of the guy that got you going on the, on the bodybuilder side. Yeah. Like the nutrition and, you know, cause he was big on conditioning. The thing was, is his mirror was a little different because even though he competed in the 80s, he was a lightweight. Mm-hmm. So 152 pounds at 5'6", and then here I am, 5'8". So people could tell in the beginning I was so lean and would win some of these smaller local shows, but they're like, man, Ed, you're made to be a lot bigger. Then when I got to train with Priest, you know, he was like, you got to put more weight on to get bigger. And then once I learned a lot from him, that was when I had the ability to, to grow more right. and then go back to my roots of strength training and, and lifting heavier uh, because that's pretty much the base. If you're truly trying to build uh, a physique and muscle density, you're going to have to train with heavier weights. Right, right. And, and there's got to be a method to the training, periodization, deloading, that we don't overtrain, you know. Right. So that's a that's a pretty big jump. So uh, you, you, you're competing in the first shows, and, and here's, here's Lee Priest. How does he come in the picture? How did that happen? Scott York. Uh, showed me some of his bodybuilders reality DVD. I mean, he was big at yeah. the time, and he's huge, right? So, yeah, this one he had won the Ironman Pro, and and uh, he had some other shows he was getting ready for, and he remembered well, see- he was in the states at the time, right? Yeah, and he remembered seeing me do Universe and saw pictures and thought I'd look good and had some potential at getting better, 
and wanted to see, you know, like, because he needed another training partner. He was training with Rich Stone at the time, and uh, Rich was building his shop or something, so he didn't have as much time. And he's like, yeah, I remember Ed. Bring him on. Uh, let, let him train with me some. See, if, you know, so I got to work out with that him. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, and, was, what went through your head? You get a phone call from Scott, Scott was, and Scott says, hey, by the way, Lee Priest just asked me to work with you. That is crazy. I mean. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then, like I say, we developed a really good relationship because I remember. Um, you just walked into the gym with, and he was, he was out there yeah. and he says, hey, Ed, you know, working with me. Yeah. Let's do some bench presses. And something. then, like I said, the chemistry was there because he could that feed off. so off, cool. He could feed off the, the youth, you know, because I'd be, come on, more weight. And he's like, oh, dang it, Ed, quit yelling at me. I'm too old for this shit, you know. But he liked it. Um, and then at the same time, you know, he he did really well. I think that, of course, he did the Night of Champions and got in trouble some with the IFPB, but he still won the show and looked terrific at that show. But another thing that I think he dug as a training partner was there was a time where he got sick. He had an infection. Uh, and he had to be in the hospital. And I was like, I called to check on him. And then he called me. He said he couldn't go to the Europa the next day because he had a booth there. And I said, well, let me go check on you. So I stayed with him a few days in the hospital make sure he's all right. Um, so then there was kind of a loyalty thing. They're like, okay, this is my buddy. He's looking out for me. Um, you know, and then after that, he, he even went to see a show that I did. Uh, fortunately, didn't the outcome wasn't as good. It was a local show. I got beat by a, in the overall, won my weight class, but by a smaller competitor who's real conditioned, but it's like I say, it was arguable debate. Same thing what we talk about. You get different weight classes. It just it just depends on what, what they want. This show even, he was like, oh, this is pretty obvious. You should have won, dude. <laughs> right. Um, but it's like I say, the one influence I'd say with him also as a friend was he could tell then was I was trying too hard. Like I, I was, everything was bodybuild, bodybuild. I got to do this. I got to that. He's like, man, you got to have other hobbies you know let's talk about movies talk like he was into cars because if you hold on too tight and you try too hard then you're just going to burn out right and he knew all about that having to compete since he was 13 14 years right. old so so take me through through a, a training session with uh with lee priest so how does when does it start how long does it take what what, what do you do and, and and it's you said you're more like in the student <laughs> teacher position right so he's kind of yeah. like mr miyagi you're daniel's son and you know he's teaching you or he's yeah. just crushing you in the in, in the workout and just letting you work in well there's some stuff um you know like rows and stuff i could push him on uh and then like it was really not an accurate assessment then because i wasn't probably quite as strong as i am now but i could help push him because then he was contest dieting and then here i am off season trying to grow so if i'm able to go eat three bean and cheese breakfast tacos say we do the flat dumbbells and he cranks out the 150s for eight and then he sees me do six he's like all right i like this you know because really then there was not as many people around that could keep up with him and then of course too pound for pound you look at his physique he was one of the greatest of all time right uh so uh, that was the main thing he also taught me it wasn't always about the weight that you move in the gym. Sometimes once you get that muscle density and you build it, don't be afraid to grab hundreds and just squeeze and do sets of 15 or 20, uh, you know. And then, of course, too, he saw I also like to lift heavy. So when he seen me even recently, I saw him like a lot of my Facebook videos because he's like, I, now he's finding other hobbies. Good, he's powerlifting. He's he's not just, oh, bodybuild, bodybuild. Because, like I say, it's, it's subjective. So you, you got to just say, I'm going to be the best version of me. Right. And if I'm the flavor of the month, we'll let the chips fall where they right. may. So, so at this moment, he's not just you know coaching you weight-wise and what to do in the programming, but he's also sort of letting you in on you know how to do this 
from from a physical, from a mental, from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, and like you know, he the thing he would always tell me too is you know it's all an illusion. It doesn't matter what you weigh; it's how you look. And you've seen that even at the gym I'm at. Everybody's so, oh, i got to be this weight class. i got to be this weight class. I didn't worry about it. And the next thing you know, I showed up at the universe at 213 shredded. You know, and that's a pretty stout weight for an amateur at 5'8". Uh, like I say, pro bodybuilders half the time lie about their weights anyways. I think when he had won the, the Night of Champions, keep in mind he's three inches shorter, he was 195 pounds. Wow. I remember he threw M&Ms in his he's mouth. <laughs> but he looked like an android. I mean, you could see every muscle fiber. Uh, his striations and his glutes, his hamstrings, his quads. So, like I say, it's it's all it's like I say in the end, it's all how you look on stage underneath the lights, and then you see a guy get a pump. It's like, man, he looks ten pounds bigger, you know? Right. So, so for for the uninitiated, for someone who's never been on stage, um, what is that? What is it like? So, so here you have Lee Priest coaching you. Um, you got you're working your ass off in the gym. You're growing, you're dieting. You get all the basics, and then you step on stage. Tell me what that feels like. What goes through your mind? Are you scared? Is your your heart racing? Are you cool? What, after you I f- done after I done twenty or twenty one shows, I just learned. Now this year will be twenty one shows altogether. I've done in a pattern of um, two thousand four to two thousand sixteen. You really learn yourself because in wrestling that was a harder part. Is I was in a corns jumpsuit playing something comical so like i had to really relearn how it's to a eat. totally different character it's yeah. not even you right yeah and you have to learn how to be a grown-up because i'm like here i am okay now i'm gonna work part-time and i've got to wear a name tag and it says ed it doesn't say bone crusher i'm not just playing some comical character where i go out and stare at a wall for two hours before i go out there and, and you know I'm, I'm into theatrics here uh you have to the bodybuilding is so unique because it's it's actually you on stage you're not that's not a character that's you that's the muscle that's what you look like on that specific day so and and so was there a fear involved at all i mean are you are you confident i don't know, I mean, I don't know. what emotions do you feel on stage i mean you had what 60 seconds to, to show the best side I, of you i don't know how to explain it in bodybuilding there's always been a confidence there um where I just knew I was going to be really good at it. Not right. to sound like a jerk or something, but the wrestling... I mean, wrestling Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about this all the time, yeah. sort of visualizing the win and just having this you know, belief in yourself that you are, in fact, the best and you're going to walk away with the win. I mean, is that how you coach yourself? Is like yeah. visualization involved? Yeah, and then like in the powerlifting, there's a different realm because you have the old Goals Gym uh, with with Joe Goals where he would kick people out, you know, if you screamed or yelled. Like Ferrigno forgot to wear his hearing aid one time and he said, Get out, come back tomorrow and put your hearing aid back in. Lee Priest tells me and then Lee Haney telling me about at the seminar at the upstate classic the show I went last year about how Joe Goals one time he was swinging too much. He stuck his back on his foot during seated pulley rows. Says, Now pull it and he says, I can't do it. He's like, <laughs> bump the weight and do it right. But you know, you you have powerlifting, like you saw Dobson, a gentleman who owns the Metroflex franchise. He came down for that first push pull we had at Metroflex, and we were a few blocks down, and he was screaming at me, ah, because that's that realm that you get in uh, powerlifting, what they call beast mode, where you be, you have to go crazy. You you, you did a meet, you know what I mean? It's, right. You have to really hone in and just you, it's like you've got to come out of your your shell uh, because it's you're performing too. This is not just. We're going to see what you look like and see if you're the flavor of the month. You either lift that weight or you don't. And if, right. you, if you don't get psyched up enough, that's on you. Right, right, right. Very, very good. And so so it looks like over the last few years, things have really accelerated for you. Was there a turning point where you sort of uh, just from 
as opposed to just competing and you know lining up the, the events you're starting to win and you're starting to get more confident in yourself and where that maybe fed on itself to where you re- I mean you the last year was just just crazy successful for you was there a point where you can go back to and say here's when I knew <coughs> hey this is going to be this well, is going to be me what, what the, thing, one book. thing that like priest taught me uh, Lee is a great influence was balance you, you know, like with my wife helps me because like on the weekends oh let's go watch a movie or I got a niece and nephew let me take them to a movie or spend some time with my family because you fall flat on your face I mean who who's gonna really be there for you like you got some friends or but you've seen that where somebody goes through a rough time. Lee went through that, you know. Oh, he's crazy. Oh, he, it's like who's really your friends? Are they right. still going to say I'm his friend because right. he went through a rough time, or am I just going to turn my shoulder? I don't know that guy. He's he's screwed in the head or whatever, you know. And I would go through phases where I'd be red hot. Like I think 2008, I'd won two shows, uh, then even moved up as a light heavy, and did really well. The next year I didn't do as good, right. and it, the problem was. Few months after the show, I kept training hard, doing three shows in a row. Burned out, hospitalized myself. The doctors were like, "Man, you got to slow down, bro. Wow. You're, you're you're overtraining." Right. But I didn't have anything to tell, teach me to slow down. Right. You, know, you can't go mock three year round. Right. <laughs> you got like I say with Doctor Squad and the seminars. There's a science. You have to deload. You have to let your body recover and rest right. you don't want your nervous system to get too nervous <laughs> yeah so so i mean at the end of the day i think a lot of people say bodybuilding is is, is a really lonely sport right you have to, there is a there's a sense that um maybe there's a little narcissism involved there's a lot of sure um maybe egotistical maniacs just not caring about anything in the world but themselves when you said that there's definitely a support system involved and there's definitely people around you who 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 help you through that tell me who those people are um i would say even metroflex is is a great uh, deal like i remember even last year uh after when i went to help at the branch warren um it was a powerlifting meet that you lifted in and you know i big al davis was in the meet he had to get his ticket and then brian was there at the desk uh who runs the franchise and and then and I was just like, I'll get take care of Al first. And then he pointed at my name and he said, how'd the show go? I said, man, I was one spot away. And he really took it to heart. He put wow. his hand and goes, man, you should have won. And he was mad. He was right. madder than I was. And I was like, no wonder this guy's such a great trainer. Right. He really cares. Right. With Ronnie Coleman, he made him a champion. He helped Branch Warren become a champion. He really cares about like the people that he's helping because like, you put a lot of effort in that. So it's like you give everything you got, it, you'd be better to have something come out of it. So that's what I've noticed about uh, people influences, you know. And even like when I got to train at that gym years back, um, I think it was at the Wall Games Feast six years ago. That's one thing my dad noticed when he went up there with me to watch me lift. The next day I trained with Brian and he saw how he cared you know, like the whole time when people would try to come up while he was training me, he's like, no, this is our space. We're busy. I'm doing my business here. And my dad was like, you need to be like that. That's how you need to be. See how he's smart about how he's training you. Very territorial. Nobody come near me. This is our space. Right. That's how you need to be when you work with your clients. He's very professional. I'm like, you're right, dad. And like I was saying, you, you have to really care, you know, with what you're doing because you put in all that effort. And I, the same thing even with training, you know, with clients. I even notice sometimes I'm looking at my cell phone too much and playing around like, nah, I need to be watching my clients. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, you have you definitely have a tremendous influence on people. I know you've, you've helped me 
um, a lot. But um, you mentioned earlier a couple other names in that in that space. So you're you're training with Lee Priest. You're 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 crushing it. You're you're growing. You're getting uh-huh. faster. What are some of the other influencers that that you've met? And, and tell me about some of those those key moments where um, someone new stepped in your life and how that changed you. Ed Cohen. Um, I mean, get, he's he's a total legend. Of course, yeah. we all know that. But, but even getting to meet him through... Ro- not everybody gets to meet Ed Cohen on a one-on-one basis. So yeah. tell me how that happened. Well, Robert Gallegos, you know, he had the the, the seminar or the, with Josh Bryan, and then I got to go eat, and I, I said... Uh, because I was sitting there with Kat, and I was like, can I go talk to Eddie? And he's like, yeah, come here. And I asked him tons of questions. And the neat part about him is um, he kept in contact with me, uh, you know, after the seminar, uh, learning from so him. So this is stuff. a powerlifting seminar. Yeah. He's flying into town. Yeah. And uh, you just, you know, through through friends at the gym, you kind of get to sit down with him at dinner, and, and that's yeah. how you get to meet him. Yeah, and then even... You hadn't met him before. That was so no. just recently, really. Yeah. I mean, this was last year, but maybe in July, I think it was, something yeah, like that, Yeah, because right? you were at the seminar, too. Right. And, and then, too, you know, the next day, getting to go eat with him, too, and talk to him more, get to meet him and even more. And, and then when he had kept in contact with me, even through Facebook, he saw how I got the 500 Raw Bench, and then Sean talked about how I'm also a stage crew manager and how I did an in-house meet for Metroflex and paused 500 raw. And he puts underneath it, that looked like more of a touch and go. I see a pause. <laughs> and I'm like, that's like, what do you think? I should? He's now I'm just teasing you. Good job, Turkey. And clean awesome. up that pole, you know. But like, like I say, he really cares, you know, having people around that want you to do good. I see him like some of my videos just like Priest does, just like Josh Bryant does. Because you need people around to back you. Uh, right. To say, I want you to do good, you know, because you, you always got those people. And the, that's the harder part is you can't always tell everybody what your dreams are and what you want to accomplish, because a lot of people instinctively will hate on you. Say, good luck or whatever. You can't do it or whatever. And for me, you know, that's what I've learned. Same thing situation with that coach that told me when I was younger. It's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'll show you slow. Right. <laughs> Suck on this. <laughs> so, 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 what were some of those moments where yeah. you, where you showed people wrong? Where do you get the energy from? I mean, it's one thing to say, "Hey, I'm I'm really mad because this person is not believing in my in my capital," um, but at the same time, you you have to re- dig really deep and get the energy to to, to crush that and just get across it. Well, how do, like a, where do you go to find that energy? Well, it's the energy, and it's like what me and Papillon talked about as a definition of an iron pimp. You make them respect it. <laughs> you don't have to punch somebody in the face. You just dominate in the gym. You do something in the gym, you're like, whoa, look at that, you know? Ronnie Coleman, yeah, buddy, lightweight, baby. And he's, <laughs> and he's just throwing that weight around, and even now, you know, yeah, he's pretty beat up, but he's still got eight Olympias, and he went all out, and he did what it took to be a champion, you know? Right. And he had fun doing it, you know? Yeah. I think I think there's there's a, a moment where you step into a gym for the first time. You don't know anybody there, right? So, like, for me, when I first stepped into Metroflex, I had no clue what the hell I was doing there. I didn't know anybody. And sure. How do you get to that point where uh, people start respecting you. For, for, tell me, for someone, let's say, who's listening to this today and said, hey, I, I would really like to be good at bodybuilding. Or I would really like to lose some weight, but I'm really intimidated by by gyms like these. How do, how do you get from a nobody in the gym to where people are, you know, like Ed Cohen come to you and, 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 and watch what you're doing? What do you have to do to get to that point? You have to surround yourself with people that are at a whole nother level. Um, like David Shatterly knew me before, um, you know, he knew me before Metroflex, before he even helped originally Chris Rhodes open it up, before Dennis and Shea had bought it. And so there was already a mutual respect there. So even when I started getting in shape again, 
people are like, man, look at Ed. And then he's like, I already knew he was capable of that. Right. So there's me. definitely a moment where, where perhaps you're just kind of working by yourself and just really showing consistency and you keep mm. showing up, right? And yeah. over time you get to know people. And you just get around people and you help motivate each other. And at the same time, you you know, you help push each other. But you, you have that, that circle of trust. Um, and then at the same time, uh, you just be careful. Like and you have to go to the right gym where you're around the right people. I'm not going to name any names. There was gyms before that I was at where I was just like, this is not going to work. Right. You've got people that are too negative. Right. You don't want to be around that. Right. As soon as I feel a hint of this is too negative, all right, I'm going to go over here. Right. This is not working. So you, you mentioned Metroflex quite a bit, I think, in Arlington as well as here in Austin. So how, how, how are those gyms different? What do you think makes them different from, from let's say, you know, the run-of-the-mill 24-hour fitness or Gold's gym? What makes the original Metroflex so much different is Brian Dobson. Okay. Because, like, the whole attitude, uh, which makes everything, you know. Um, with him, it's not just, you know, his influence on Ronnie Coleman. That's how that whole gym started. You know, like, he, he said, man, I want you to do a bodybuilding show. And Ronnie Coleman said, well, uh, I don't want to have to take steroids and I don't want to have to diet. He goes, well, you're not going to have to take steroids, but you'll have to diet. Sure enough, he helped him win Mr. Texas. He was clean and dominate and I think even won the world championships and then of course from there you know as a professional moved on and I don't know as far as natural or whatever all that crap is I don't know how that works but um like I say you get around people that want to help you do good and then sure enough there is Brian who went and helped Ronnie in the beginning and look at how that played out right that gym just blew up next thing you know he's got strong men coming there He's got all these amazing athletes that he works with. And then, of course, too, he was an awesome lifter as well, 700 puller, 700 squatter. So then he's got the same um, the same background as a trainer because he's got all that hands-on experience. Let me show you how to do this. I've done it. Not just somebody who's a guru or, oh, I've got this pragmatic rocket science equation, you know, so this, this you got to do this. It's like, can you do it? You know? Right, right, right. And I, I think that's really important that you have people um, not challenging you in that sense and just saying, hey, I, can, I believe you can do that. Who are the people who believe in you today? And, and, and what, is it, what does it get you in terms of motivation and, 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 and well, self-confidence? It's like, well, it's like even the, the guy that I met through David Shackerley, who runs the Upstate Classic, Dennis Dutch Holt. That was his right. whole thing. Of, he said, when you use my you know, business logo, he has Dutch strength in the back of the shirt. If it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. He says, what does that mean to you? And we talked about this. It's about not getting scared to get in there and go for it. If you've got a guy that busts his ass and keeps plugging away like a John Meadows, it took him how long to get a pro card? And then they played out for him. And yeah, he had some setbacks, but he just kept working at it, kept working at it. Sure enough, it happened to a good person. And now he's blowing up, you know. Right, right, he's got right. the Iron Rebel clothing line. MD's interviewing him. He already has his own training system that he was doing well with before, helping people. So, like I say, you know, it's all – you just have to stay positive. And, you know, and I catch myself doing this sometimes too where I'll, I don't even critique somebody and I just talk about their flaws. You have to be positive with everybody. Right, right. But, if, you know, if, somebody, if they say, oh, that person, oh, they're not going to do anything – don't even you have people talk like that. I, I got to go over here and do my thing. You know? Right. I don't right, want right. to listen to that. So at some point in time, you just have to really put the blinders on and just you'll get the work done and, and, and grind every day. Yeah. Right. 
So what drags you? What drags you back into the gym every day? I mean, you're there pretty much every day, working out or working out with other people. I mean, is there ever a moment where you say, "Fuck this"? I'm, I'm, I'm. It's clients. I mean, I see like you guys do good, and then and then I'm like, okay, so then I'm not this shallow bodybuilder that's all about himself, you know? Like, because then it's give and take. Then it plays out. When you help other people, then good things happen to you. Karma. Right. Um, but like, if it's all about yourself, it probably would be hard to show up. Right. But then again, you see some bodybuilders too that don't even train people. They have other jobs that they're good at. Right. So, very good. So, give us a little rundown of last year. So, 2015, January to December. What were some milestones that you hit? And um, you built a lot of momentum in 2016. Where Where are you going this year? 2016, it was really good because I ended up doing the Ronnie Coleman at the last minute. The last year, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Brian was like, if you're in this shape now, he saw pictures, you need to do the Ronnie Coleman. I was like, yes, sir. So I signed up, ended up winning the Masters and the heavyweight. Like I say, in the overalls between me and Joseph Mackey, who's just as good of a caliber athlete, could have gone either way at one point. So we both might as well have tied. <laughs> right. And then um, did the Upstate Classic, the show I did plan on doing out of state in South Carolina, won the overall, won the Masters, won the heavyweight. Uh, which was fun, and then went to the universe and improved in both categories. Masters, technically, with Meadows being over 40, over 35, I was top two, one spot away from a pro card, that, that close. Crazy. And then top three in the Team USA against the younger guys, so that was pretty cool. And then, of course, that category, I had to go up against even a super heavy, I think a few of them mixed, so I didn't have a weight class. Um, then after that, got back with the heavier lifting to add the muscle density and then I hit a milestone of a 500 raw bench pause and which was quite a accomplishment. That's crazy. Hon- honestly that would be even just like an IFBB pro card. I was really proud of that. Awesome. Got to give some uh, hot sauce to Papillon and, and Josh Bryant though. They were main influences on the help with that so. So so tell me about that relationship. I mean those are in in in, in and Ed Cohen. Right? We'll give Ed Cohen some <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So so these right three people come into your life and, and get you to to 500 um, how would how were they coaching you differently? What was different from from what you've been used to doing for many many years? A uh, Papillon is just um, training with him as a training partner. He was different. He was in a lot of ways like Lee. He was just so out there, like on another planet. But that's what it takes sometimes, you know. I've seen that guy put his squat suit on and bleed out the mouth while I'd be spotting him, and he'd do eight hundred pounds. But it's like this, we talked about beast mode, like a whole nother level he gets to. And some people say that's a little bit over the top, but hey, man, it gets the job done. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, that rubs off on everybody. And then same thing with Josh Bryant, sending him videos. He's like, that's what it takes, Ed, because he would see the intensity uh, and the aggression. And like I say, you can still use that same training intensity when you diet. And you're, you got the weak sauce from not eating as much food, but you still got to take it to another level. But, ah. Uh, and then the training, you know, when priest teaches me to do more cardio, then I can eat more. So then you have more energy to put in the, the work. Right. And then so you mentioned you mentioned power power building as opposed to power lifting or uh, bodybuilding. How how is that different for the people who don't know what power building is? What is it? Well, the, the, the main components for that. The main components power building is actually invented. The name was invented by Ed Cohen. Right. But then you look at a lot of power lifters. Uh, nobody knew this, but Dr. Squat, Fred Hadfield, also did some bodybuilding later on. And he was one of the first men to squat 1,000 pounds. Uh, and basically, you're doing all of the core compound movements, but you're just doing more reps as well. So say if my one MR or one rep max is 500 to 510 on bench press, 
I try and do like when I'm heavier and consuming more calories, 455 for a set of five or six reps, touch and goes, stuff like that to add the muscle density. You do more reps, which is going to stimulate more hypertrophy. But to power build, you have to be able to move weight. You can't just use cables and machines. Right. That's just going to build a bunch of window dressing. So that's that's really the the combination of of, of really heavy weight plus the the intensity plus the yeah. the reps all together. I mean that is an insane way of training as opposed to perhaps I don't know doing ten reps for well, you, the same weight. You look at these like power building, and then you say, okay, what about the term we said earlier in the interview? You can get bigger without getting stronger, but you can't get stronger without getting bigger. They're like, okay, well, you can get bigger without getting stronger, but you can't get stronger without getting bigger. Then how can Richard Hawthorne, the ant, deadlift 600 plus or 650 at a body weight of 130-something pounds? And I'm like, he's five foot one. That's still a decent body weight. Right. Look how short he is. And then at the same time, too, power lifters, it'd be interesting to see what they look like if they ate more food. They're all trying to make a certain weight class right. to lift. Uh, so And it's one rep. Right. I'm, I'm talking about... You can get bigger without getting stronger, but you can't get stronger without getting bigger. Sets and reps. It's going to show. If you're strong and you can do reps, it's going to show on your physique. Right. So, so I mean, that's that's now sort of your your, your main program that you follow yeah. uh, is, is sort of this power building to say, I, I, uh, it's not just about carving out the muscle anymore. It's also about adding that density uh, that will carry you forward into, into the heavier weight classes, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When you look at all of them, I mean, look at Ronnie Coleman. He was a powerlifter before he was a bodybuilder. There's a video of him in his first ever powerlifting meet, and he deadlifted 740. Then you see him doing 810 for a double later on in his career. That's what, a 70-pound jump over years of training and hard work. Um, and like I say, you look at some of the powerlifters that still use those same principles. Josh Bryant never did a bodybuilding show, but if you go look at some of his pictures when he was at his strongest, he might as well have. Right. He was pretty stout. Right. Yeah. And one thing I'm really interested in is also sort of the emotional aspect and sort of the toll it takes on your body. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not always been, you know, roses for you. Take me to a moment in where maybe you were really struggling, where you, you maybe hit your own, what you thought maybe your own limitations, or maybe you, you really started. Was there ever a moment where you doubted yourself? Oh, tons. Like, Tell me about what well, goes in your mind. Well, it's just I never, it's like even when I won the Branch Warren years ago was one of the first winners. My mom and dad were there at the show with me, but I didn't even have anybody to share it with. I didn't have, you know, like now it's so much more unique because I've got my wife. She's at the show with me. She's gone to all the meets and she's like, you know, she's so into it because she sees me progress. Uh, and that's a huge part in the balance part of it, you know, as far as the balance, if you want to talk Star Wars, Jedi. You know? <laughs> um, and that was the harder part before because then like if you don't have anybody around to keep an eye on you, how are you ever going to know how to slow down, you know? Right. But but oh, I mean, was, were there ever moments where maybe you got hurt or maybe oh, it just, yeah. you, you just didn't get the results you were hoping for? And how do you, I mean, what goes through your mind at that moment? And, and well, how just, do you pull yourself out of that? But for someone like me who's, you know, just uninitiated about that level of commitment. Well, it's just you, you learn that you can't be as scared to fail. Similar like Schwarzenegger's Seven Rules to Success. Learn from failure and move from it. There's a few times he talked about in his bodybuilding career, he hospitalized himself from overtraining, but he just kept pushing forward and he's just hungry all the time, you know, wanting to do better. Same thing in Hollywood, you know. You saw that one movie, it was pretty unique because they went in a diner. He wanted to make it in Hollywood. And the guy said, Look, pal, you got, you know, a thick accent, a long name. You'll never make it in Hollywood. 
you might as well just build your own gym. And as that movie director walked out of the diner, Arnold looked at him and said, one day you will beg me to be in your movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. Right. But it's the same thing we talked about. I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. That situation with the coach. Look at how he was with his dad. You know, you'll never make it in Hollywood. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. And he's like, I'll show you that I can. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's 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 a really key point is is that um, that hunger you mentioned that hunger and I'm 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 really struggling with that myself sometimes I'm you know you set goals and and, and you don't meet them for whatever reason right and and over over years you don't go or get where you think you want to go mm-hmm. or where you want to go and um, eventually it turns into frustration and and what I call perhaps like success fatigue right you see other people succeeding and they tell you hey, all you have to do is have a plan and work really hard and you'll get there. And, yeah. and, and, uh, those, those micro steps really don't add up for, for people like me. Sometimes we're like, Oh, fuck it. I, why, why am I even trying? You know, when everybody else seems like it's working for them, it's just not working for me. What do you, what do you tell me on, 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 on how to overcome that? Um, sometimes you just gotta really think like, man, if I really wanted this, would it be that easy? Is everything just going to be hand fed to me? I want to earn it. Right. So just think about all those times where you fell flat on your face, but you still got up. Right. You know, like there were times where I had some setbacks, but then I bounced back the next year and, and, and did even better. So you overcome adversity, uh, you overcome uh, fear, and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to lay my nuts out all out on the table. I'm going to lay it all out on the altar call, and hopefully it's good enough. Right. You know? Right. I think I think that's the overcoming that fear. I think that fear of failure is is yeah. is key point. So so yeah, I mean, what I'm goes through your mind when when mm-hmm. when those those demons haunt you and you're like, man, I don't know if I prepped enough. I don't know if I dieted enough. I don't know if I worked hard enough. But that's and exactly where that's that's where I I go to it because I know that if I put full effort and I'm so disciplined, uh, you know, by having certain voices in my head around me, like I still hear that rogue. Aussie accent, you better get harder, douchebag. Are you sourcing your foods? And sure enough, that would play out sometimes in the gym, you know. Right. I'm always looking, oh, look, I could still look even a little better, you know. It's never good enough. Right. I'm going to keep going. Right. It's never enough. I mean, you, you like movies, so you might get this, but I think for me, Karate Kid was a big movie that sure. influenced me, right? There's this this trainer-student relationship in the first one, right? Sort of wax on, wax off. Mm-hmm. You've seen the movies, but I think they're... In the third part, there's a key moment where uh, both you know, the master and the t- trainer, I mean, the, the student are doing their kata on that, on that cliff, right? And he's no longer the student at that moment. Do mm-hmm. you feel like that? Somehow with, uh, with um, Lee Priest, for example, where maybe you, you, you reached a level where he sees you more as an equal now rather than someone like, as a, that maybe that the student has, has graduated in a sense. I, it's, Do you feel like that, that with, with him? It's it's strange because I think I see he sees me more of just as a friend, and that's the one thing I think he talked about in an interview that was really cool that he paid me as a compliment. He said I was one of his favorite training partners because it was never about competing; it was just about training and having fun. Right. It wasn't about being equal or any type of BS. Oh, I'm gonna look better. No, it was just man, this is cool. We we're buds, you know. Let's train. But I think I think there was perhaps a moment where that changed, though, right? Where before you did everything exactly like he told you to do, uh, and versus at well, some point in time you, you realize, hey, I, I'm there's the relationship has changed. There's no more student and teacher. We're more equal now. I mean, was there a moment you can go back to where that happened? Maybe you you had a 
certain weight or you know certain lift or or it's just, just gradually over time you know they just intensified i think with him what he's more impressed with because he's already put himself through all the bodybuilding stuff the accomplishments uh he's more impressed with probably the wife the balance the just you know training people making a living that way not just i'm gonna be a bodybuilder i'm gonna be mr olympia i mean that's all that's cool to have that goal but i mean not to talk about faith, but if God put you on this earth to be a bodybuilder, he's pretty shallow, isn't he? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so so a lot of people seem to think that, though, right? They say, hey, well, he's got the genes or, you know, he's he's he, he's got some chemical help. Right. Um, he's got maybe um, just the time because he's not doing anything else. I mean, there is definitely this notion that, that um, some people might think you – don't have what it takes so so you find other other means of getting there and, and you know the bodybuilding image has has really suffered over the last few years and and, and new things have come up like crossfit now and everybody's yeah. doing crossfit all of a sudden so so how do you stay relevant in that and, and, and what do you tell people who are who are doubting you and just I, sort of I, saying hey this is this was maybe 10 years ago this was important but nobody cares about it anymore well i tell them the same thing that he told me um from when we trained together he says it can be done even without relying on what you just talked about, chemical assistance as much, all that stuff's going to help somebody. You got to have the genetics and you got to have the discipline and you have to have years behind your belt of training. All the great athletes, the great golfers, the great basketball players, the great football, they had to hone their craft. They had to work at it. Look at Michael Jordan. Didn't he get cut or something ridiculous right. in high school? I, mean, I bet you that coach feels like a total Kentucky Fried Idiot now. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, because he kept at it. And then you see some athletes, they don't peak better till later. Right. Uh, even that one running back, I remember, it makes me think of Priest Holmes at UT. He didn't even start his senior year. Ricky Williams and him used to rotate. Uh, but then he ended up going on in the Kansas City Chiefs and became the leading rusher in the NFL just through his work ethic alone. Uh, right. Because he worked harder. And when he comes down to money and professionals, it's going to come out to all that, not just raw talent. Right. Determination, effort that you put in, grinding, putting in the work. There's right. just nothing beats it. You know? Right. But I mean, the image of, of, of bodybuilding is definitely changing now to where people say, hey, uh, we're, we, people are not as big as they used to be. Now there's more this idea that you need to be fit, right? There's the Austin Fittest, and you got the CrossFit games where nobody cares anymore if you have. Uh, muscles, and I think I think Arnold even talked about that in one of his interviews, where he said people just don't show up as conditioned as they used to be. And sure. what's your opinion on on sort of bodybuilding today? How's it different from maybe when you first started? Is it is, is do you think there's still um, growth for the sport, or do you think that people are just gradually going to go over to other things and, and powerlifting or CrossFit games or whatever it might be? Well, I think powerlifting is even getting more popular too because it needs to get more money involved. There's a lot of strong people, you know, that need to be more rewarded for what they can do. But bodybuilding, I think, is still growing. And uh, now they've got even different federations in NPC, which I think is cool. They've got classic physique where they wear like more the athletic shorts. Uh, I know some people make fun of it because, like, what are they just trying to get more NPC cards? And I'm thinking, like, uh, hello, business. <laughs> right. Dies into the IFPB, of course. You guys want to have all these different looks because you, you like a certain look. Well, th they're giving it to you. If you don't like the bigger guy that's more blocky shape but is really muscular, uh, and like I say, you have people like Branch Warren. Some people may not favor his physique, but the guy trains his ass off. Right. You have to give him some type of credit Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. And, you know, you put him next to a Phil Heath who's got more of a nice silhouette. 
But then you have Phil Heath, who's the top guy. So he's kind of an in-between universal look because he's got a smaller waist. Granted, not like perfect, you know, washboard abs or whatever they want, but he still he looks like a, an action hero to me. And then same time, you know, he's never been a powerlifter or anything. He played basketball in college. So um, to be that good of an athlete, that's going to show in a lot of ways as well. And he's more of a, a cross between like a flex Wheeler maybe and a Sean Ray type mixed physique, you know. And then you have Kai Green who's playing more like the mass monster right. supposed to come back, which is cool. Um, so you have all these different physiques. Uh, Desmond Miller, I think, is another one is his name. Then you got there's a few others that made that. And then Dexter, he's still around. You right. Know? That guy just keeps plugging away. But but some people seem to think that maybe there's just just a fragmentation that's going to destroy the sport right before you had maybe three classes now you get all these different classes and no real champion in 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 either one and it's sort of washed out over over perhaps you know years ago where where people recognized individual names across the sport it's difficult even to to, for the women i mean it must be must be really difficult to just pick a class because there's so many now when you gotta think think about for the women bodybuilders you know they they've got a downsize now because they have women's physique they're not even pushing in the women's bodybuilding anymore, which I think, you know, they, they ought to still even have that, have women's bodybuilding. That way the women that want to be more muscular, some of them may want to cross over from powerlifting. Uh, you got these strong gals that are damn near pulling 600 pounds. Look at Joe Mills. I mean, I think she's, 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 yeah, she's amazing. She's beautiful too, good-looking woman. So you have somebody who's got like her type of build that's still pretty but super muscular. That, that looks like Miss Olympia to me. But, I mean, what do I know? Uh, but, you know, like I say, I, it's all uh, opinionative, uh, but you, you look at bodybuilding, that's why it's such an underground sport because, like even South Carolina, when we go to the upstate, I was one of the bigger guys that ever has ever been down there to do that show because of how short and then how muscular I was at 214 pounds, I think I weighed, because Dutch would get some light heavies that come down there sometimes. But South Carolina, powerlifting's bigger because how many people really want to diet? How many people want to have to put in that much effort Right. then have to buy an NPC card, then have to put in all that work uh, and put in the time, you know, to do that, especially when they've got full-time jobs. Say somebody works at IBM or they work at Dell full-time, and then they've got to train, they got to eat, they got to do their cardio, they have a family, they have kids. It's a lot of work. You yeah, know? I mean, that's separate. That's what separates the good from the great is that that yeah. level of dedication, right? Regardless of what whether it is, what regardless of what you feel like, regardless yeah. of what temptations there are in front sure. of you, you you keep chugging along, you keep grinding at the gym you keep dieting yeah. i mean that, i find it just fascinating about someone like you where you can do both you can you could be a bodybuilder you could be a, a power lifter you you do it all i mean you you diet you you train your ass off you you chisel away in your muscles you you work on your density i mean it's it's you're going to absolutely blow up here before long. I mean, we we will all be be able to say we knew you when before but, before. But see, you and Trey say that, but like I I don't know. I I, I just see myself as a normal person because I still don't want to. You know, you don't want to let it go to your head. Yeah, and at the same time, just, but I mean, it, you you have to realize though that that when people watch you, you influence people all the time. The moment you step in the gym and you, you until you leave the gym, people watch what you're doing and they're. They're admiring what what you're accomplishing, and, and, and that's, that that must be a pretty good feeling. And it's, we're not talking about ego here. We're talking really about how you influence people, how you influence the people you train, like me, for example. You know, it's seeing that 
seeing the progress that we're making together and and, sure. and, 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 and getting that, that positive uh, vibe from you and just, hey, you can do this and we're going to crush it. And yeah. I would have never lifted in a, in a powerlifting meet if it hadn't been for you, you know? So, so you, you, you do influence people. And then maybe that's where, where I think uh, you are different from, from, from just the stereotypical bodybuilder that just chisels away on his own body. Well, and that's what even is is strange too, because a lot of my buds are powerlifters, and they they're like I can tell like even Robert was saying you're not like the president of Texas and USPA, you know he's like you're not a typical bodybuilder, you're still down to earth, humble. That's what I mean. I just don't want to be the alpha douche, you know. Everything's all about me, this, that, and the other. Because that's not you, nobody wants to be like that. Of course not. Of course not. But I think I think as I mean you, if you're as, playing it on camera like Arnold did in <laughs> Pumping Iron, okay, like when it's so obvious he's acting, but like. You know, when you're just yourself, you don't want to be like right. That. And yeah. I mean, like I said, I think it would be really difficult for for me to envision and any muscles that is that's an alpha douche. I don't, I, I don't think that's you. I think you you have that level of commitment, professionalism that people will always appreciate, regardless of, of how good you are and regardless of what what uh, results you bring and, and what that does to you as as a person and the, and and the image in the industry. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so so 2016 what's what's next for you tell us where you're going this year what are you striving to accomplish this well, year? well i'm not allowed to give away what i'm supposed to do in june it's a surprise <laughs> that's going to be a big surprise yeah big surprise i'm not allowed <laughs> to say anything i don't want to get in trouble with somebody that i know um and then july i'll be focusing at the universe i'm bringing the best package yet that's awesome and what is that going to what's that going to look like what are you what are you going for in terms of you know, weight and uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of between. You never want to go for weight, from what I learned from Priest, is it's all an illusion. In the end, the mirror makes your mind see what it has to see. You could weigh the exact same thing you did the year before, but you're still bigger because you're leaner in certain areas. Your body fat could be four percent from the front, but then you're three percent from your glutes, and then seven in your back. You change your whole body every year. So, um, for me, a good weight goal I think that would look terrific what i see envisioned in my eyes is between 215 to 218 on stage cross striations striations in the hamstrings striations in the quads uh to where i want to come in looking like something out of the fantastic four uh, like just superhero x-men type stuff like like this guy wow you know and then also you know like the eddie muscles muscle doesn't lie look oh this guy bench presses 500 pounds he's going to be a 700 puller without straps pretty soon like you say, he looks like a specimen, not just window dressing. That's awesome. Not that's just awesome. not just cables, machines, and you know, that's some real muscle. So, so I mean, that would definitely. I mean, you, I I absolutely believe one hundred percent. You know, you're going to crush it this year. You're going you're going to go pro. When that happens, how how is life going to change for you? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I would like to do um, get involved uh, with the personal training, continue to grow it. Um, I'd like to eventually even, you know, have my own private type studio gym too as well uh, to train folks to where I can also focus on them. I still want to keep Metroflex Austin because I love that gym. It's like, cheers, everybody knows everybody, and I love the owners. I love Dennis. I love Shay. They've done a lot for me. I love Brian Dobson. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, so like I say, I still want to keep even that, that franchise around me. Metroflex will always be what helped me get started. So uh, – uh, like I say, I grow the business. Then I would, you know, like I say, we talk over the, with the wife. It depends on what direction the sport goes. 
but you know maybe try a pro show eventually and i've also got some goals in powerlifting that i'd like to try too that i've gone over with josh so. right and and you just got p- picked up by by gallegos powerlifting right and uh-huh. as as one of their sponsored athletes so so you got anything lined up uh, through that avenue there uh he wants to first get the the show over with because he wants to see me get that big ifpb pro card yeah, of course uh, you're gonna been, get it too it's, you're gonna crush it uh he in you know like i say then uh continue to also send people his way because even as a bodybuilder he likes me training a lot of the, the people that want to do his meets uh just because of i pick up really quick on what they want as far as how the athletes need to break parallel the training systems i've studied all of josh bryant's books i've studied ed cohen stuff he, you know and then being able to keep in contact with him uh also is pretty much a lifeline on having to play catch up on some things like he'll correct oh no, that's you know move this move his feet this way do this because uh, like i say the powerlifting is fun too to watch and i like to have that as a hobby as well because then you're not trying so hard at the bodybuilding so i'm i'm kind of looking at everything uh, from an overall picture and then even you know other goals too hollywood maybe be maybe be the next arnold schwarzenegger it's <laughs> just so alone you know yeah of course of course holding the 45 <laughs> <laughs> i mean how awesome would that be to see eddie on the big screen i would i would definitely uh cheer for you that'd be awesome be like edward is the next terminator uh, he's, even though you can he's, do it you can do it he's shorter than me but you know <laughs> arnold i'll let you know i bench press 500 too <laughs> i got it on camera if you don't believe me that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> Last question uh, before we go into the next section of the program. Um, say that uh, you're talking to a lot of people. This is going to be listened to by a lot of people around the world. Maybe there's a person right now that's really struggling, right? Maybe they're grossly overweight. Maybe they've never set a foot in the gym. Maybe they're really struggling with their self-image. They don't have any kind of self-confidence. And uh, what would you tell a person like this? If you were to talk to them right now, what would you tell them? To, to, to get up and, and change their life? And then how, what would be maybe one or two or three tips you would give them to say, you know, you can change your life around? How would you approach that? Well, you say somebody that's has trouble keeping weight off, right? They're endomorphic. They're just naturally heavier people. You didn't get dealt with cards that are as fair. Look at a kid who's got special needs, uh, disabilities, right? They still figure out how to have a smile on their face, and they still make the best with what they've got. You've got people that have all these disabilities, amputees, one arms, uh, people one leg, and they're still getting out and exercising. Doing go go look at something like that if that needs to inspire you. Anybody can get up and do it. I mean, if you got two arms, two legs, there's no reason to be frowning. Just you know, go to the gym and be the best version of you. Don't you know? Don't don't worry about comparing yourself to everybody else. Uh, just you know, use exercise. To improve your quality of life because that's what it's all about anyways in the end yeah it's cool to squat you know a thousand pounds on your back but i bet you it's probably even cooler for a doctor squat to even have issa and help other trainers who are helping other people to where they're calling clients and saying what'd you eat today are you are you following your diet right how what how's your workouts are you, are you deloading like you should are you keeping from overtraining because you know like i say it's it's all it's all about being healthy and taking care of yourself so right uh, and that shows through everything, spiritually, uh, physically. So the reason they're in a bad mood is they're not around people. You know, they're probably, I'm going to sit here in bed and watch TV and just eat whatever. No, get out and go walk. It's pretty outside, you know. Don't just sit around like Arnold whenever he's with the kids. What are you doing eating that junk food? You need to be eating some bruised yeast and broccoli, you know. It's not healthy. Why are you eating Dorito? No, this is unacceptable. Let's go do some push-ups. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> 
but let's say they're just really intimidated to put that first step uh-huh. forward and opening that gym door. I mean, Metroflex can be pretty intimidating for someone who's never been there. What, what do you tell them? Like, what's, just, it, what's it going to be like when they first step through that door? What, what are they going to see? And, and maybe maybe there's a misconception around there. And what would you tell them? What they might look like, uh, what they might see when they walk through that door. Hey, they might even see Richard Simmons doing some jumping jacks, <laughs> and then he might even do some crunches, and I might get a fire extinguisher and spray him, put them flames out. <laughs> I mean, you can see anything at that gym. It's like we've got so many different personalities. Right. It's but like if, if they're really scared though to make that first step, what would you tell them? What it's like to 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 set set your foot through that door? Uh, I would say just to to go in there and and don't worry about it and just do your thing. And then we you see this all the time with all of us somebody's trying and they come in there and they don't know what they're doing we'll help them regardless you know oh you're doing that wrong let me help you with that not well you know i'm a national level body (laughs) let me help you with that right and the famous uh words of one of my other friends i won't say who it is don't be a dick (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly i think a lot of people just just don't know what they're doing and then maybe they're just paralyzed by that and saying hey should i what the hell am i going to do when i get there but you're saying that it's okay to approach someone who might be you know lifting but you do it the right way what would you what 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 do you do i mean how do you just just walk up and say hey can you help me or you um Normally, if I see somebody that looks like they need some help, I'll come up and offer and then just be very careful with how I word it. Because like the whole saying, you know, you don't want to give your opinion unless somebody asks to. So like, but if I can tell somebody struggling and they need help, as long as you offer it and you're kind about it, not like you're doing it all wrong. You suck. You know, <laughs> that's not the way to talk to anybody. Exactly. Like, and then there's a critique too, you know, it's not like, yeah, uh, that was horrible. Right. <laughs> Hey, look at that. You're using like a wrist wrap to wrap your knee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I said, for anyone's listening right now, like if you're really struggling, just, just, just <laughs> absolutely. But I mean, just, just, just take that first step, right? It, it's, you're not going to die. You know, you, yeah. you're going to come out, maybe learn something new, make some new friends, find a, find a new way of, of uh, training and, uh, and, and um, maybe change your life around. And you might even want to wear a Speedo and put some oil on and be a Metroflexual. Hey, that's, that's yeah. only the Germans. I, I have this, some Speedos. I, I think I'm going to bring those before long and put metro, you to the They're pretty Metroflexual. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty Metroflexual. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. It was a really, really great introduction to, uh, to who you are, and uh-huh. I, I think we're going to talk a lot more in the future. But I wanted to do something uh-huh. a little interesting right now. I have a couple cards here, and I put a bunch of words in there. And so... I'm going to shuffle these cards, and you're going to pick the card, okay. one card from the stack, any of them. Okay. Um, actually, we're going to do three, right? But okay. read read the word and, and tell us exactly what comes to your mind when when you uh, uh, when you read that word. Consistency. That's consistency. Pretty, that's the key. I mean, like people want results, but then they're like, "I don't see any difference." I'm like, "How long have you been training?" Uh, a month. <laughs> It's like anything, you got to put in the work, right? I mean, most people, if they want to see, and then I have to look at everything they're eating, uh, you know, how many times a week are they training? What are they training? Are they How much cardio are they doing? Are they speeding up their basal metabolic rate for if the goal is weight loss? So all of that, consistency, when, when you think of consistency, like anything, you have to be consistent with what you're doing. So for someone who's new, what would you say is a, re- a realistic time time frame before you can really see some results and, and some changes in your physique? I'd say six to eight months to where you really see, like from before after pictures. Just think of the four Ps, passion, patience, perseverance, persistence. When you think of consistency, think of those words too. Right. 
Right. Good. Thank you. I'll Next one. It. We'll do two more. Failure. You can never know what you can accomplish unless you fail. It's kind of like the old terminology that I heard Triple H use in wrestling. A player. If you want to be an A-plus player. All the champions have lost, but they learned how to win again. You know, like say you try to bench press. You don't think before I bench pressed 500 pounds, I tried it before and didn't fail. But then I, st- I didn't get scared, right? You just keep going and you keep pushing till you get it. So you got to learn from failure to get better and move on and be an A-plus player. You can't just be afraid to even compete. Everybody loses. That's so, awesome. Yeah. One more, one more. Strength. It's probably what I think about it. And like, even like I told you about that buddy, my Dutch strength, when I think of that, or uh, when I think of that, I think of not being scared to get in there and go for it. Like, no matter at all costs, like a kamikaze bomb, you're going in there, you're going all out, but you can't be scared. Just like I talked about with the failure. If you fail, just keep going. If you fall flat on your face, get up and try again. But you you can't you can't have any doubt. That that's awesome. That's like that's a great way. That's a great way to end it. Uh, I just want to really th- say thanks for for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Where can people find you? Are you online, or how do people get in touch with you? Um, wh- where should some someone go for to find you and to learn Look, more about you? Look up MetroFlexAustin.com, uh, the, the, web, the website for MetroFlex, uh, and you can email me and contact me there. I'm on the trainers list if you have any questions on training or nutrition or anything like that. Right, and I'll, I'll put all that those links in the show notes. I think you have your own YouTube channel also, or are you working uh, with uh, Scott through, York, right? Through Scott York, and those are from like even a few years back, but also I have a Facebook as well. If you try to contact me on there, it's just got me on my full name, Edward Vincent Brown. Uh, I've got some some training videos and stuff like that that I put on there, and then also it's got me training clients and so forth. I have an Instagram. I've got to clean up some turkey. Put it up for me is Big Bad Ed Brown, but a lot of the stuff he wrote was. I think he's having a little bit too much fun with it. Yeah, you. We'll we'll put all those links in the show notes for people so they can can. Uh, friend you or follow you and you know uh-huh. you, they can see what crazy stuff you're up to. Well, good man. I I, I think we did it, man. How do you feel? Pretty good, man. That was good awesome. Interview. That was great, man. I'm so thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, we can't wait to see uh, what uh, what you're going to accomplish. So when you get your IBB IFBB Pro card, we'll have you back on the show. And I'll say, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> so that was it. First episode of the Android Strength Podcast. What did you think? I'm super excited about uh, releasing this interview. It was super fun talking to Ed. And I wish him all the best of luck at the universe. I hope, really hope, that I can say I knew you when before you were IFBB pro. So, Ed, we're all cheering for you. And we're excited about you bringing back the trophy to uh, Metroflex in Austin. So this podcast is going to be a weekly release of interesting interviews with people in the fitness industry. So bodybuilders, powerlifters, strength athletes, bikini models, and also individuals who are in endurance sports or in the broader sense of the term, 
achieve a physical feats and are trying to become extraordinary, super interesting people like Scott York, for example, recently crowned one of Austin's fittest men. And uh, Brandon Bargo, who just recently came back from a world record setting mountain climbing tour, Central America. We're talking to Shay Manchaka. She's an amazing lady. Uh, been away from the sport of bodybuilding for many years and just recently returned gloriously to the stage. We're going to talk to her and find out her story. Uh, Chris Green, also aspiring bodybuilder and amazing trainer with an amazing military background, uh, has agreed to talk to us. So stay tuned for, for more interesting interviews with people who are really changing uh, their lives and uh, contributing so much uh, to people around them. If you like this podcast, please uh, subscribe on iTunes and leave a remark on how we can do better, what you liked about the episode, what you didn't like, uh, what would you like to hear in the future, who might be an interesting person to have on the show, please uh, share with us. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash androidstrength. Uh, become part of the community, subscribe there. Um, be an interesting uh, conversation here to have. And then, of course, and if you want to learn more about Ed Brown, you can read up on the show notes. Go to androidstrength.com and find everything you need to know there. To close this out, I wanted to give a quick shout out to a few people who helped me make this podcast possible in the first place. Uh, first and foremost, James Higgins from vargaimaging.com, the photographer extraordinaire who is responsible for the killer shot of Ed in uh, the cover of this podcast. You can find him online at vargaimaging.com. He does a lot more than fitness photography. Definitely check him out. He's in the Houston, Austin area and available for any professional photography needs you might have. Second of all, great shout out to Chris Gilcher, my good friend, who took James's amazing photography and turned it into a very powerful podcast cover image. You can find him online at design.chrisglicher.com. The link to that in the show notes as well. He does amazing cover art for CDs, DVDs, and books, and now podcasts. The intro music is a song called Balconia Dust from Pale Rider. And if you like that song, go and buy it on iTunes and Amazon.com. Once again, that link in the show notes. So I hope you really like what you heard today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I can't wait to show you more interesting people via this podcast. Until then, so long and goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to the Android Strength Podcast with your host, Mark Mulzer. We'll catch you next time.